And welcome to The Conversation. I'm Heil Russell. And I'm Cameron Regal. And have we got a legendary lineup on The Conversation for you today. Our first guest is an artist, animator, and voice actor whose game credits include Battletoads, Killer Instinct, Donkey Kong Country, Diddy Kong Racing, Star Fox... Star Fox Adventures and Ukulele. <laughs> Specifically, he is the designer of the modern Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong, and of course, the voice actor behind beloved DK Vine icon, Tricky. Aside from his oh duties. <laughs> Aside from his duties at Playtonic, he's currently one half of DK Creations Limited and the artist of the comic. Salamandos. Please welcome to the show, Kev Bayless. Really? Is Kev Bayless here too? I gotta tell the King Earthwalker. Uh, <laughs> about that. Um, yeah, yeah. Ha- Thank you very much for having us on the show. Thank you very much. Yes. Uh, but surprise, you can't have DK Creations without the D. And the D is one of the most legendary game composers of all time. Over the course of 28 years at Rare, he's known for his music-founded games like Battletoads, Donkey Kong Country, Donkey Kong Country 2, and sometimes Donkey Kong Country 3, as well as Diddy Kong Racing and Star Fox Adventures, to name a few. Following Rare, he's providing music for Ukulele, Ukulele and the Impossible Lair, Snake Pass, Tamarin, and of course, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. He's keeping it sexy, Please welcome the one, the only, David Wise. Thank you. Thank you very much. In fact, on that note, I think it deserves one of these. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you brought props. I I, I always appreciate a guest who brings their own uh, their own ways to keep amused during our during our nonsense. So So thank you very much for having me on the show. And and hello. Yes. Hello. before we get started, and, and we have a lot of ground to cover in a relatively short amount of time, I do want to take this opportunity, and I think we'll both probably want to, to, I guess, self-indulgently gush to the both of you just, just a little bit, um, because you know we're, we're the conversation, we're DK Vine, and Kev, in particular, how often is it that let's say a, a Tolkien fan can actually sit down with old J.R.R. and tell him how much he loves Bilbo Baggins. That doesn't happen. That, that, that can't happen because he's dead. But Kev, you, you are responsible for my all-time favorite video game character, uh, Diddy Kong. And I know this kind of thing is always a, a collaborative process and there are lots of cooks in the kitchen. But, you know, all the same, I just wanted to thank you for giving my life so much joy over the years. Because, you know, as a kid, Diddy was the first time I think a video game character connected with me as more than just pixels on a screen. And I felt the, the real hopes and dreams behind him. And so much of who he was was conveyed in your design. 
And yeah, he's a monkey in a hat, but I've written dissertations on why Diddy is the ultimate representation of the millennial experience. So between that and the way you helped design the modern Donkey Kong, you helped lay the foundation for my favorite video game series and ultimately my own career as an adult. So thank you. <laughs> um, and David, I mean, what, what can I say? Because outside of gaming, my other nerdy passion is music. And not having any like, older siblings or any friends who were into music, I didn't really have any outlets open to me to discover anything. So while a lot of people of a similar age to me can point to something like Nirvana, Pearl Jam, or you know, I don't know, Smashing Pumpkins uh, as their first love, for me, it was the music of you and Eveline uh, in those Donkey Kong Country games, because you know, before I owned the official cassettes and then the CDs and then digital files, I would sit in front of the TV with a tape recorder so I could take it around with me and listen to it on the go. And, wow. you know, I, I'm a huge Beatles nerd now, but the bedrock of my musical tastes were laid by you. And from you and your compositions, you know, I discovered prog rock and new age and world music and, and Phil Collins, of course. So uh, what I'm saying is you both basically raised me. So it's all your fault. Okay. Well, that's, um, that's a huge accolade there. Thank you very much. So um, I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> glad I liked it. Uh, Cameron, was, is there anything you would like to get out in the open all weepy before we start? I, I'm not sure what else uh, I could add that wouldn't just be uh, incoherent gibberish. But uh, yeah, um the original Donkey Kong Country was kind of the the first um, video game I saw that kind of opened my eyes to, oh, this is what the potential of this medium is. Um, feeling like I was playing a cartoon, essentially, with this brilliant soundtrack, these really fun characters. Um, I mean, I fancy myself somewhat of an artist. Kev, uh, your work has always been a giant inspiration. Um, I think that's um, kind of evident in a lot of the stuff I've done. Um, and Dave's music um, has helped keep me sane, um, trying to um, crack away at uh, my various projects. And it's just it's such a thrill to talk to both of you. And yeah, I really don't know what else to say. Um, well, thank you very much. It's, it's, it's a pleasure it's, for us both to be here. <laughs> so nice to hear, obviously. Um it's very flattering because at the end of the day, we're just two middle-aged approaching old age veterans from the, uh, what, what a lot of people, I guess, consider as a bit of a golden era in video games because there was a lot of changes back then, wasn't there? There were uh, the, the move on to 16 bit. And then there was the introduction of the rendered 3d graphics. And then there was a uh, glimpses of, real 3d too and and before we obviously moved on to the n64 but but that time um it was a great time for us to both be involved in it and uh, we never thought that we'd be talking about it um sort of 20 30 years later to people that we we had no idea it would have had so much of a um an impact on so it's lovely to hear and thank you very much and uh we're, we're just happy to be uh talking about it still and banging on about um the old days the, the, the um, good old days but i mean there's there's plenty of uh there's great new stuff happening all the time too so which i try not to get too 
hung up on on talking about the past all the time because I've got a, a room full of old memorabilia and stuff like that from when I used to work at Rare. And um, a lot of the stuff you do look at and you kind of screw your eyes up in a bit and go, oh, oh did, did I really do this? And did it really, did, did, this, did, did I really finish this game? And it, it, it actually went out on the shelves like this. And I, I'm not going to say anything. WrestleMania. <coughs> and um, <laughs> But then you've got... Um, Games like Diddy Kong Racing and Donkey Kong Country that still hold up well today. And so, yeah, I think there, there were a couple of gems that we were very, very fortunate enough to be involved with and uh, also to be able to put our personal stamp on them. It's just, um, it's just a lovely feeling. So, and, it, and, and I'm really pleased and I'm, I'm really happy when I hear people say that it's, uh, it, it's, it's made them smile. So, yeah, thank you very much. Well, and we'll be getting into plenty of discussion about the old days here as as well. But before we do that, I want to discuss what you're both currently working on. Because you two have a history of working together on the same projects, you know, across the span of three decades, going on four decades now. But Wow, that's a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And and Kev, I want to know what your secret is to eternal youth, because uh, honestly, I can't decipher the pictures of you now versus the pictures of you from the 90s. You look the same. Photoshop. (laughs) (laughs) One word, Photoshop and filters. No, actually, um, I've never understood using filters because surely that doesn't look anything like you do look in real life. I don't not quite understand why people use them because I hate to go out and people not recognize who you are if they want to say hi to you. But, um, but no, um, I don't have any kids. And so I don't have some of the stresses that, uh, as you can see, uh, looking at Uh-oh. Jules. Dave no have a hundred. Um, but, <laughs> but this is my real hair, but it is going gray now. So it's, it's catching up with me. Oh, well, there's one good thing about um, my my head of hair is that I never went gray. I I said it when we went to um, the game develop uh, conference when we were in Brighton. Remember, Dave, when we went and um, picked up our award for ukulele on behalf of Platonic. Um, I think creating video games just sort of help you keep um, a certain degree of youth, I think, because your frame of mind, it's... um, it's perhaps a little bit immature at times. And so I think you can, uh, you can behave a little bit like a kid because you have to create creating video games. And I think it's, yeah. stuck I don't with know us. what you mean. Sorry. So <laughs> <laughs> video games, it, we are, we are uh, lucky enough to work in that industry. And I th- I do think it keeps you um, fairly young at heart. So. This is going to be great because I'm, I want to parlay my Donkey Kong journalism site into also a lifestyle and wellness brand. So we're getting some some good oh, advice here. Yeah, I, I want to be the next Make video trip. games. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, you, you too, you know, you, you generally, you know, Kev is on art and, and David's on music in, in these classic games. So the two of you coming together and forming DK Creations as your own independent venture I think it was surprising for some because it's just like, oh, Kev Bayless and David Wise together. Um, where did the idea to launch your own creative studio come from? Right, we were, you want to go ahead, Dave? I'll yeah, uh, uh, going back to it originally, it was probably one of these ideas that we had over a drink probably somewhere in Austria when we were talking about creative ideas. And what I'd always wanted to do was an album. And I wanted some great graphics for it. So obviously, who am I going to ask but uh, Mr. Kevin Bayliss? 
And um, it, it morphed from there, really. And um, we, we wanted something. There's, there's a whole load of stuff that you've got to do, especially if you're doing an album. You know, you need to get your album. If we're going to put it on vinyl, we're going to get it pressed, and then we're going to get all the um, inlays and stuff. And it, it's quite a long process. So we were looking for a, a bit of delivery process. And it morphed into this idea of a comic. And um, uh, I'm sure Kevin will explain in a few minutes. You've got this fantastic software. It's, sorry, it's very good at, um, at making comic type stuff. So it, it, it seemed to be a good fit. So Kevin had come up with this idea for Salamandos. And I thought, you know, that's, that's the perfect idea to add some 80s kind of retro vibe to the soundtrack. So I think Kevin's going to take it from here. Well, that's what we're all about, aren't we? The, the retro vibe. Um, yes. As I say, I, I do like uh, a lot of the modern games out there. They blow me away, but... Um, there's just this charm to that um, retro 80s era, again, another golden age in movies and, and with video games. And and so it, it made us smile when we were, I mean, I think a lot of people perhaps don't realise that Dave and I are good friends anyway. Uh, since we began working at Rare in the late 80s, would have been 1987, I met Dave. Yeah, um, I was probably when he had 15, Kev was 10. Yeah, something like yeah, I was, that. I was, he used to call me the Sprite, I remember. But um, we, uh, we'd we always worked together on, on plenty of projects because Dave was basically the, the only musician up to a certain point. And so we'd have to sort of chat about what sound effects were needed and what music was needed for this game and that game. But um, it wasn't until the sort of late uh, 90s, mid-90s that I started... Um, well, I'd, I'd always had a bit of a party piece and done a bit of singing at some of the Christmas parties. Oh, that was it. Uh, That's where it came from. Yeah, sorry. And um, so uh, I enjoyed doing that. And Dave was also um, in, in his spare time. His hobby was uh, he, actually an ABBA tribute band and, and many more um, I don't know uh, what you different mean. acts, weren't you? And so absolutely, I joined him um, on one occasion and then we, it was just, we enjoyed it that much. We kept doing it and, and for quite a few years we were doing a, a three-piece covers band it's myself dave and a, a great guitarist called john bradbury and um we just had such a laugh doing it it wasn't for money it was just for the beer really and for uh, a good time in a pub on a saturday evening and so it was a good good opportunity to let your hair down and uh, over the years i obviously we've been best friends dave was my best man when i got married and we've done this and that and the other together with countless ski trips together, countless trips to America and Japan together with, with um, various game releases at rare. But then uh, we, we said, you know, I think we're missing a trick here. I think we, we need to try and do a bit more of this because we love the game conventions and we love the, the traveling aspect of stuff. So why not mix our music together? We should have done it a long time ago and uh, create something which we can perform and uh, and just sort of bring some enjoyment and because we'd both been it's pretty much in the industry for about 30 years um we, we said well it'd be a great way to celebrate that and uh, i think i'd moved house and uh, made a lot of changes in my life as well let's, let's do something new um shortly after i started at playtonic in our spare time so we've got a hobby rather than me just sitting watching netflix and um so we said well we'll do this um and we we always wanted to come up with something that was our own to gig when we did these um, retro conventions because it's all very nice playing Donkey Kong tunes and and 
all of the music from Star Fox Adventures, and we, we love all that, but we wanted to also bring something new and um, say so we're not just all about the old days. And so this is when um, we started to put together um, the idea of Salamandos, and I came up with a brief story, which I uh, sort of elaborated on and, and drew some silly characters and says I bought the comic software, as Dave mentioned, and I'd always loved comics, um, but never really had enough time to get into them. So I started just messing around drawing and, and seeing what this software could do. Well, I can put a comic episode together and, and we can get the music together and we can use this whole thing as a sort of a graphics light show behind us as we perform in future. And and we can let this story unfold as we do more and more gigs and uh, and just see what happens with it. And uh, this is where we are now. We've just got the first episode out. Uh, it's only taken a year and a half to do. But uh, I think um, we've, we've had to um, say we set up another company and we also had to learn to set up the website and this and that and the other and, and write the music and, and put it all into place. And so now we're, we're well underway with it now and we've, we've begun and I've, I've got the second episode here, which will be ready to release very soon. And we'll just keep going and, and expanding upon it as, as long as people keep buying it. So, or as long as people just enjoy it. So mm. uh, it's just something we wanted to do. So uh, in case you haven't noticed, it's, it's loosely based on amphibians, which kind of harks back to <laughs> our history, our video game history. And um, it's got that vibe going back to that kind of thing where we're, we're taking inspiration from the 80s and amphibians at the same time. Yeah, we thought we'd spawn something new. So that, that's, that's where we are with it. And, and again, as, as Kev said, we, we find ourselves at conventions and um, it, it's it's very hard to um, promote something that you've done in the past. So having something that's fresh and new that you're excited about, is a lot easier to... Um, uh, and it's, it's just nice... It, well, when conventions start again, in fact, we just had that conversation um, a couple of hours ago, it would be nice to be able to take our own merchandise and uh, and present that instead of not having any merchandise at all, really. So that's kind of a good way of putting it. Uh, and that's where the idea really spawned from, um, yeah. having something interactive that we can um, do at festivals, which is uh, and conventions and that kind of stuff. So um, I'm sure there are those listening to this right now because um, we promoted it as Kev Payless and David Wise on The Conversation, and uh, they might not be fully aware yet what uh, Salamandos is. So uh, in your own words, what, what is Salamandos? It's, it's kind of an audiographic novel. I mean, what, what do you mean? What is it, a product or what is the story? It's an it's a amphibious adventure, but um, I don't want to give too much of the story away, really. Um, but I, I mean, I think one of the first things I wanted to do, which obviously we couldn't do it, but maybe we can build upon it and we're perhaps going the wrong way about it. But I, I wanted to do um, a musical. And I would love to have seen a stage show of a video game which we'd created, um, like like Donkey Kong the Show or something like that. And um, so it would be great to have this set of characters that um, gives a story and uh, becomes some kind of um, great big show on Broadway, and and everybody goes and sees it. And it's, I think it was the. Um, Ever since I saw the, uh, it was an episode of The Simpsons with uh, they, they did the. the uh, a show version of Planet of the Apes, and it just made me laugh. And I thought, I'd love to do something like that that becomes, becomes a big stage show. 
If you'd like um, to see Donkey Kong Country as a musical, I, <laughs> I recommend checking out the 90s cartoon, or maybe don't recommend it, depending on your point of view. But Yeah, I, I saw one of those episodes. <laughs> I just want to get on stage and wear a Salamander's costume that looks like a proper Salamander's character and, and just jump around on stage like the Animal Crackers or whatever they were. The, the banana splits. Banana. Banana splits. I'm going all American. Yes. Um, so, uh, and for me, uh, as a, in a very similar vein, it's more about having, uh, um, rather than an album release, it's, a, it's an album that kind of unfolds over time and it's a mm. whole lot more interactive because we've got the graphics and we've got the story and they work really well together. And that's, that's far more interesting for me than just putting out an album and saying, there you go, that's another album. It's it's a bit more involved. There's a story, there's some graphics, and hopefully, um, as Kev said, an interactive comic would hopefully be a little more engaging. Yeah, I mean, that was the other thing. It was uh, it, it started off, I think, that the problem is because we're creative people and, and you, you wake up in the middle of the night with a stupid idea, as I did last night, which my wife absolutely loves. But... Um, you start messing around writing on your phone. Oh, this happens next or this. And then I thought, hang on, why aren't we doing this with the comic? And it's, it's probably going to evolve a little bit more, but already uh, the first episode, we put um, some links to artists that we met actually while we we're over there in, at MAGFest uh, a couple of years ago. And also a- any of our friends or people that might want a, a leg up um, and to get their graphics shown. I think, you've got uh, the opportunity to put some links in there and perhaps make the story a little bit interactive. So you might want to look into the backgrounds and you might catch a glimpse of a, an icon or an avatar of somebody that you know or have seen before. And if you click on it, it should take you to their website. And if they're a musician or an artist, um, hopefully it'll drag some um, some customers their way or some viewers their way, if you like. But also uh, we, it's not going to be just uh a couple of pages of of a comic story we've also got some tutorials in there because dave and i say we've got a lot of years of experience working in the industry so we can give a little bit of uh feedback and advice or just um tell people our mistakes as we as we go along too well this is taking too long to do so don't do this you know because this is a new thing for us too but i think um the the idea of giving out some tutorials and a bit of help and also interviewing the odd artist or musician that we know and just featuring some other people it's it's probably going to be more of a, a salamandos magazine interactive comic album than just a story now so it's just trying to squeeze as much as you can into uh small episodes each time and, and keep it interesting is uh, a, a good way to also do that i think is by featuring other people's work too so um, i'm quite happy to do that especially if it gives us a few extra pages you both also performed together as, as you alluded to uh, you know live as part of the dave wise five with keb on vocals and yeah. this includes the salamandos theme which you both debuted at MAGFest 2020, you know, right before the pandemic shut down the world, shuttered everything. <laughs> Inevitably then, because we both, Cameron and I were both there at MAGFest, we were like the front row of that uh, concert. So we heard that song right before the world ended. And that became the official lockdown anthem, probably for the both of us. It was lodged in our head 
for months and months as we are scrounging for toilet paper. Uh, I'm going to play a little bit of it here right now for the audience so they, they can get a taste of it and they too can suffer the earworm. This is a question for David. Your music has always been primarily instrumental in your works. What was it like collaborating with Kev on a song with lyrics? Um, I mean, to be honest, even um, I'm sure most people have figured this out now, but all of the Donkey Kong stuff were probably primarily songs that should have had lyrics in the first place. Uh, they certainly have lyrics for me, even though nobody's ever heard them. Uh, so we, I think... When you're designing music, you've always got a, a type of song or a type of lyric that's in the background anyway, because it makes writing music so much easier if you've got a lyric to work with. Lyrics suggest rhythm, they suggest movement. So if there's something going on in the background that has to you a something you could sing, it translates very well to, say, a flute or a trumpet or whatever instrument you're going to put at it. And so it was kind of easy when it came to doing it with vocals except vocals sound a whole lot better when you've got somebody who can actually sing on them but unfortunately it was stuck with me so um <laughs> it's interesting you say about the um the track being the last thing that you heard really that got into your heads before the dreaded lockdown uh but the the other thing was completely unintentional um okay a bit of a spoiler. There's a main villain in this uh, story called Virus, spelled V-Y-R-U-S. And it was more or less September, the year prior to MAGFest, when Dave and I were in Sweden and we just finished. We, we'd done our little uh, talk at the show on how we made video games. Uh, it was great. And um, we sold a few Salamandos T-shirts because we said, well, let's let's start building on this idea. And uh, I can remember we were talking, waiting for the train to take us back to the airport. And I said, oh, this, the villain, the villain needs to be like, uh, I, I can't say what he is, but I mean, I'm going to call him virus because they're chasing this virus. And Dave said, oh, well, I've got this instrument. It's perfect for that. And it's called virus and it's a synth. And um, so I'll always use virus when, whenever he appears or whatever. And um I didn't want any negativity from it because I thought people think Kevin's singing about the virus and cashing in on uh, COVID. And it wasn't like that at all. It was just coincidental and um, it's spelled differently anyway. But yeah, um, <laughs> that was uh, that was the story that this, this virus 
thing and, uh, and, and you'll learn and, more about that as it goes on yeah the, the synth is called an accessed virus and it, it's a very iconic synth in um keyboard and synth world it's it's very well known and it sounds awesome well, i think that song that we wrote was like two weeks before we came to magfest <laughs> and dave so we're playing at magfest so we have to play a song now to um to really hit the audience with uh, the salad bowl. This is our opportunity. Let's get the uh, T-shirts over there. We'll take a few things with us and, and see if we can give us a few posters and T-shirts away and stuff. And, uh, well, I'll, I'll get some lyrics together and come up with a top line to go over Dave's uh, music. And um, we just sort of did it online a few times. I'd send Dave a couple of emails, and what about this? And then eventually Dave came up one evening uh, it was about 40, 50 miles drive to my house and it was a horrible evening. And uh, he just sat in my office with his keyboard and his my mic set up and everything. And we just sort of worked out the 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 main parts of the song and sang the verses and, and wrote some of the lyrics together there. And that's, it was Dave that came up with the oh, hook. Oh, which has got into a lot of people's heads after hearing it. And um, I think, I think one of the cool things about that hook was after we played at Magfest, that's all we heard, isn't it, for the next four days? Yeah. I think singing, yeah, it, it kind of became a call and response the entire nice weekend. It, it did. And, and what a great hotel that is because it's, it's so big and so echoey. So mm. somebody does it and then not only do you get the yeah. echo, you get the, the, the response from people on the other side of the hotel. Yeah, we were in, in one of the lobby areas and we could hear a lot of people sort of making the noise, but it was, um, we refined it a little bit more for the version that we put on YouTube. And, mm. uh, you know, we, we, we re- recorded it and, uh, I think there was a longer version of it, which you can get with the, uh, comic if you download that. But, um, yeah, it was, it just all seemed to come together. And uh, I just wanted to make the the lyrics sort of um, tie in with the story and what was going to happen. And so it was just a simple, stupid song. But um, we, we've we got more with lyrics. and uh, Indeed, coming your way we've got soon. A mixture of instrumental stuff and vocal stuff, haven't we? So, we have, well, yeah. so long as I don't have to be inside for a year after I hear it, I, I'm looking forward to it. Well, that's good. <laughs> So uh, at the at the top of this, we Hi and I kind of uh, bared ourselves how much of an inspiration you both have been to us. And uh, in advance of this episode, we took some questions from folks in our audience, and uh, this is kind of a reverse of that from uh, our friend in the community, uh, Alter Mentality, aka Courtney. Um, uh, what kind of media have you both enjoyed in your lives that you consider your artistic inspirations? Um, I mean, for me, very much films. I don't, I don't tend to listen to video game soundtracks at all. But it's the the films that I watch. I was watching, I was watching a film last night, in fact, uh, with John Travolta, and it's called Basic, and it's a really cool film. I don't know if, if you've actually seen it, but I find films really inspirational. And as soon as I've watched them, I've forgotten the soundtrack. But it's the, those stories, those emotional connections that spark ideas for music. So for me, it's always been film. That's primarily been the thing that's sparked my imagination. And uh, things like skiing and cycling and stuff, I, I find that when I'm doing something really fast and, and moving, that, that um, really gets ideas going as well. So I, I suppose sport as well would have to be the next one. Yeah, you're very active, aren't you, Dave? 
you know, Sometimes. you've always said you like to go and when you when you're exercising, you'll often come up with ideas. But mm. um, I think for me, I, there's, there's so many things that can influence you. I think um, you can look back to anything that sort of made you smile. The Saturday morning cartoons. I, I remember even now. Last year, my wife and I would uh, sit on a Sunday morning eat, eating our breakfast in our pajamas, watching um, U- Ulysses thirty two, thirty one or thirty two. I don't know. I can't remember. And uh, Jason the World Warriors, and a lot of Saturday morning cartoons from the late eighties. That I just think there was a style then that um, it's it's sort of disappeared now. And um, as I say, that that era of golden the eighties um back to the future style indiana jones that golden age of time at the movies that, that always always feels very glitzy and sparkly to me and, and very emotional and um for me the age i was at when i was watching those kind of things i think it, they really sort of um influenced me and i was also into a lot of um, martial arts films when i was a kid and and so combining art with um, a love of cartoons uh, and martial arts and also being what was also, which I suppose is, is the the musical side of it. I was just a, a, quite into rock music when I was a, a teenager. Just a mixture of those three things. I think music, games and TV, I think they're three things that I just enjoy. And um, I think mixing the three media together to come up with a, a new story is a nice thing to do. And food. I'm quite heavily influenced by food, too. It all comes across in your work. Everything but food. I, I, mm. I wouldn't guess that. Talking about food, in fact, good reminder, I, I'm actually, uh, I know people can't see me at the moment, but I am actually, uh, before I started this, I said I would have put my chicken on. I am actually wearing a chicken. I've actually got to go and turn it round, and I'll be back in 30 seconds. So yeah, rotate excuse the me, chicken. Just, in, indeed. <laughs> and, um, but only I've you, got frittata. So, you guys uh, I was going to actually sit and eat that. Okay, two seconds. I'm quite rude to eat in front of you. So um, <laughs> while Dave goes and rotates his chicken. Um, <laughs> Not a euphemism. That's, he's actually rotating a chicken. Yeah, well, he likes to do that on a Saturday night. It helps him to unwind. But, yeah, I mean, there's so many things now. I, and when I think it, there's a big revival, too, with, with some of those things I mentioned with the um, the likes of Stranger Things and a lot of the, the things that we've been watching on Netflix just recently, particularly while, while we've had so much time to sit and watch Netflix and get fat and eat lots of chocolate and pizza and stuff like that. But it's, um, it's time for um, me to start moving again and getting out there and, and taking inspiration from other things or else I'm just going to start writing characters based on food and chocolate, which is probably not good. <laughs> I mean, it, it would, you know, you can draw inspiration from a- anything, anything. And so long as you put your heart and soul into it, I'm sure we would be along for the ride. David is back. Chicken is rotated. Uh, keep us updated on, on its progress. Uh, uh, I will do. It's, uh, our oven's not very good at the moment. So um, it's going to take a long time. It's, it's still not up to temperature. In the meantime, I, I do have a question about your music uh okay your music obviously beloved across generations now and you know i i don't need to list the tracks you know everybody knows aquatic ambience sticker bush symphony 
they're considered some of the finest gaming compositions of all time. And then there's others like a uh, forest interlude, Donkey Kong Country 2 that I think have dramatically risen in reputation in recent years. And then, you know, you got recent, relatively recent songs. I guess it's been seven years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like Grassland Groove from Tropical Freeze is a favorite that's really taken off. But I know how it is when you put everything into something and it doesn't catch on. And then something you don't think much of is what ends up catching fire instead. So I've always wanted to ask you, are there any pieces of yours, any tracks that you absolutely adore that you feel are underrated or undervalued and not celebrated enough? Um, no, because it, it's not down to me to judge, is it, really? <laughs> oh, come on. I mean, I'm, there has it's to- not, is it? I mean, um, <laughs> which creates, I mean there, there were, uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, years and years ago, I was, we were doing Snake, Rattle and Roll, and it was on the NES of the Nintendo. Nintendo Entertainment System, and I thought we'd finished it, and I'd spent um, the games took considerably less time than I think I spent two weeks on it, and I thought we got it finished, and so I thought, oh, thank God for that. Went into Leicester, went out on a right bender that night, and um, I probably had a couple of beers or more, and um, it was decided whilst I was indulging that particular evening that they needed one more track for a, a final boss level, which was requested. And um, so I was phoned up, t- Tim phoned me up and he said, we need another track. Uh, can you come in? I said, I can't possibly come in. I'm, I'm still under the influence from last night because I've probably been out till four in the morning or something like that. And so uh, Stephen, um, he, he came and picked me up and took me in to do this piece of music for, for the boss level. And um, I had no idea what it really sounded like. I did the best I could under the being heavily influenced by um, whatever I'd been drinking the night before. And I came back in on the day after, which was probably the Monday, and I listened to it. I thought, oh, that's just awful, awful, awful. So I said, can, can I redo it? Because I could do a much better job now. That, that, that my, my head's clear. And they said, oh, it's too late. It's gone off. It's, it, we sent it off, but we love the track. So, you know, there's... I can't, since then, I can't really judge tracks. The, the tracks I love, like there's um, on Tropical Freeze, um, I forget which one it's for, um, levels as they appear in the game are different to what I named them, so I'm never quite sure which one it is. But there's, there's, one, there's one in there, which I've, I've mentioned before, which I, I, I really like, but it doesn't really get the, perhaps the love that I, I, I imagined it might, but it's not, re- again, it's not really for me to decide if people like things. I mean, Stickerbush Symphony, but, you know, they just sat on the shelf for months and months and months, it was only put in in the last week of development because they decided that they were going to, uh, uh, they got this spare level for Thorns, and I'd originally written it for a water level, and seeing as there was no water, it was never ever going to be used. It was only because they were short of finishing stuff at the end of the development that it actually went into, into the game at all. And, and that's how development goes. It's it's probably, you know, I do things I like, but it's, it's never good to get too hooked or attached to something because ultimately everybody else is going to decide whether they like it or not. And it's completely different as to what I feel about stuff. I guess I've got kind of the same question for Kev. Uh, are there any characters you've designed that you've been taken aback by um, their explosion in popularity and... Are there any like personal favorites you have that maybe like got a, got a more understated reaction? Uh, are there any characters I thought would have been better received? Um, 
<laughs> All of them. No. <laughs> uh, no, um, I, I was surprised. I think the one thing that I just humbles me is uh, the Donkey Kong redesign because um, I've said it before when, when people have asked me the same question about Donkey Kong. And I got the opportunity to put this this new face basically on a character which was probably didn't really need anything doing to it. It would have been fine, but they wanted a new look. Nintendo wanted a, a redesign and it needed to, there wasn't a physical model of the character anyway. And so I'd um, got into the habit of drawing eyes in a certain way on the, the Battletoads and, uh, and it was basically just a V like, or a W if you like with the eyes with a heavy shadow underneath them. And uh, when I, I got the opportunity to do DK, it was just obvious that that's what a lot of mountain gorillas eye has the, the heavy brow. And I thought, well, I'll draw it like that. It, it, it reads really well from a distance when it's a little sprite. And so I did that. And um, I didn't think it looked that good because I just drew this. I didn't really think it looked as good as, as the original design. And so I was surprised when, it was um, accepted, and then when it was was actually made as a 3D model, that it looked good and it worked well, and and it's still the same, pretty much the same shape and design that we see like sort of twenty odd years later. So yeah, that I um, I was surprised that that was as well received as it was because I thought that it was um, just going to keep going forwards and backwards to Nintendo with plenty of design mods. Um, saying, can we do this to it? Can we do that to it? But it wasn't. It was pretty much straight off. And um, I'm glad that you like Diddy because I think he's uh, a, a cool character. He doesn't look amazing or anything, but it, he's he's just a, a simple monkey with a, a hat and a T-shirt on, but he's he's quite a fun guy. So uh, I'm I'm pleased with how he turned out. But uh, I'm, I've, there's, there's plenty of shelved characters and things that I did um that are in box files at rare somewhere I'm sure. And, and when I look at some of my old artwork, I look at them and think, God, how did these things ever even make it into a video game? But, but it, uh, I think that's part of the charm, isn't it really? Um, Cause if you look at most video game characters of a certain era, they're just very simple. And uh, I think it doesn't really matter because back in the day, you had a few shapes and a few pixels and your eyes screws up as you played the game and you used your imagination and, and say, oh, I was playing Castlevania. That character looked amazing. And you look at it now and it's just a few pixels really with a, a repeated warp cycle, like two or three frames of animation. But I think nowadays um, you have to put a lot more finesse into those characters. You can't get away with what you could get away with years ago. So which I'm finding now working at Platonic, you, you, there's a, Fortunately, we've got a team of people that are, we're all from that same era and we've all designed characters uh, in a certain style. And so we don't take them too seriously. I don't think we're ever going to be producing anything that looks super realistic. Um, and I think it's nice if you can sit back and laugh at them sometimes too. So, But um, I'm appreciative of, of any character, um, anybody that... that um, enjoys the characters and i look at the battle toads now behind me there's a picture and if you can see it there an amazing artist drew 
and uh, he draws them so much better than I do. So, you know, I don't it, it suppose it really matters. I think as long as people recognise what a character is, you'll see so many different renditions of everything. Um, uh, and say the battle toads have been reinvented now, and uh, they look totally different, but I still love them. Well, speaking of underappreciated characters, we have a listener question from DJ Cat. DJ Cat says, this is for Kev. You are well known for doing the voice of Tricky the Triceratops from Star Fox Adventures and did a great job with that. However, if I'm not mistaken, the voice credits for Diddy Kong Racing are less known. Did you also voice Tricky in Diddy Kong Racing? If not, do you know who did? Can you shed some light on who voiced the other boss characters from that absolute masterpiece of a game? I guess this might be for both of you, too. I did do a, a couple on DKR, but I can't, can't remember. May have done Tricky, and we may have messed around with uh, speeding things up and s- slowing them down to get a different pitch. Um, we, I think we all had a go at that on the team, so it could be an, any number of people. I, I may have done Tricky. I don't know. I I um, definitely did him on on Star Fox Adventures, but I'm not sure. He didn't really say very much, did he? In uh, the UK, no, really? Yeah, no, it's, we had so little memory. I think we had twelve meg, twelve megabytes, uh, which is nothing. So when it came down to doing vocal samples, that they would have had to have been as short as possible and as flexible as possible because it would have been used every which way possible at different pitches and slowed down with different attacks and that kind of stuff. Just to make I'm sure, sure one of the artists called Keith Rebet did be Keith, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did, in fact. That was Keith. Um, I remembered that one. But did John, maybe uh, I did. Johnny, one thing I didn't do was Goldeneye. Everybody thinks I did Goldeneye on the credits, and I, did, I didn't do any James Bond. Voting. Yeah, I, I saw that listed on your, your Moby Gabe's credits. It's James Bond, yeah. uncredited. And then I was like, I don't know if that's accurate or not, uh, because I've never heard that before. But Unless they did a grunt or something and used it from KI, and when somebody gets hit, it goes, ah! But, but I didn't voice any um, James Bond character. Um, no. Killer I, I, Instinct... I, I, Glacius, um, Jago, uh, which are the ones the rest of them were probably synthesized um, or taken from uh, voice bank CDs that we had at the time, which I can remember listening to Riptor and Saberwolf. And then one morning I was watching, it just happened to be on a Scooby-Doo cartoon and I picked up the phone just to call my friend. Like, listen, listen, put Scooby-Doo on now. It's, it's Riptor. And there was a, a monster running along, and they were using exactly the same sample as we were using <laughs> for Riptor, one of his moves. And every now and then I'll watch a film, and uh, there'll be a dog, something like Turner and Hooch or anything like that, but it's the amount of films now that you'll watch, if you find a dog, I guarantee at some point the dog will be unhappy or get a hit or something horrible like that, and he'll yelp, and it is Saberwolf's yelp. It's exactly the same sample as Saberwolf makes when he gets hit. So, And I've heard it. I, I, I keep stopping, and my wife, I'd say to her, listen, listen, that is from a CD that we used, and I, I'm not going to personate it, but mm. I'll let the purists and the, the enthusiasts search for those sound effects, but... That, that happens a lot with films as well. Even now, I was watching something yesterday and I recognised the crow sample that we used for whichever game back in the day. 
And you think, wow, you just thought that it had just gone out with a microphone these days. And you can go out with your iPhone and record things like mm-hmm. that, get a great sample. But no, they were still using that those same sample CDs were used decades ago. <laughs> I seem to recall a, an anecdote you told me at uh, MagFest, Kev, uh, regarding uh, Bubbler the Octopus's voice. Bubbler. I, I might have done Bubbler. I don't know. I might. I, it was. Um... It is quite a few years ago now. Yeah, but I think <laughs> along the same lines of uh, Glacius when, because when I did Glacius, I put a lot of yogurt in my mouth to make a sort of horrible noise when I was in the sound booth. Because we just, when we first began doing sound effects, and it was Robin Beanland that was recording the sounds for KI, for the for the characters. And when we did our first um, few recordings, we hadn't really we'd only just started moving into recording vocals, hadn't we, Dave? And so had, yeah. it was literally a microphone and a tape recorder. And I would oh. sit there with, with Robin and I was going, yeah, yeah. And, and I remember Martin Hollis says, it just sounds like a brummy ninja. And then we ended up, because uh, I kept doing what do we do at my karate class and saying, yeah. And then you could just hear this Birmingham accent. And, um, so then we, we got a, a small, Stephen built a sound booth, didn't we? And that's when we started. Uh, um, um, as sound booths go, it was basic, it was small, it was quite smelly as well. And it was those iron blankets um, that it was made from that doubled over all the way around. It was, it was only small. It was probably about a metre square, wasn't it? It was, it was yeah. tiny, maybe it two metres square. You, it was um, like some patio doors, some sliding doors that he built up against the wall and he lined it with all of the um, army and Navy blankets that we had got. So when you went in there, all you could smell was this cloth. And mm. then when he closed the door, you felt this vacuum sort of pull your ears. If you put your finger on your ears now, when the door closed, you felt that happen. And it's almost like there was no, it was, it was such it. a vacuum in there. You almost, if you talk, try and talk into an empty glass and push it up, that was sort of happening to your voice. And I can remember that um, Robin Beanland left me in there once and shut the door and just went out and no one could hear you and you were just trapped in this glass case, basically. Yeah, it was, it was basically an anarchic chamber, as in there's no reflections whatsoever. The sound yes. goes nowhere, so all the energy stays where your mouth is and it's, it's, re- it's really hard as well to balance in those conditions because there is no reflection, there's, there's no perception of, of, of anything coming back to you. It was quite Especially when there's no oxygen either. Yeah, exactly. So it was Yeah, indeed, anaphylactic. But they did improve so, on all of that as as we got. The, I think when we got the new premises, we had the the fancy sound studio, didn't we? And yes, we improved on all that. Yeah. So yeah, for, fortunately that that changed as we as we did bigger and better games. So um, this this game has come up several times at this point, but we got a lot of uh, listener interest in it. So Star Fox Adventures is a game you're both known for that's uh, absolutely beloved in our community. Um, I think it's one of David's finest soundtracks, by which I mean it's one of David's soundtracks. Uh, okay. And uh, also one of the best looking games on the GameCube. A lot of people are very obviously fascinated in its development. How did it feel for the both of you when uh, the ROM of Dinosaur Planet leaked out to the internet earlier this year? I'm surprised it took so long, to be honest. I mean, I, I thought that would have come out years ago. So I, I don't know where that came from. But, uh, <laughs> it wasn't but, us. But all, 
Also, I mean, as, as far as the sound goes for the um, for the N64 version, I always felt the sound was much better on the N64. On the N64, and I went over to the GameCube. It was it was more of a compromised system, I thought. So it was nice that the original probably made it out there, so people could see what we've done so far with the, the N64 version. It was really pushing it, wasn't it? Mm, um, it was, and it was nearly. You know, it was quite far through. It's when I saw it, I was just shocked because I had to sort of look at it twice, and I thought, God, because it, it was so long ago, and it, and Star Fox Adventures had become quite established, We'd forgotten a lot of the work that was originally put in, and and I always remember it started off with Timber, and then became a Wolf, which then became Saber Wolf. I remember all of that, but I couldn't remember seeing Crystal running around as a main character the way that she was. Uh, and then, well, yeah, I made the graphics. I can remember doing it now. I can see it. And, and I was just, oh, God, yeah, we did all this and that. And, oh, God, that was really far through. And and then uh, we, we made the big changes to it, which were for the better because it became a bigger, better-looking, better-sounding game, and it was easier to work on. But, um, I mean, the company was changing then anyway. We were getting a lot more people that were more specialised um, particular tasks animators and concept artists and so we were able to put more finesse into it on on the better system um but what we managed to get with the relatively small team when it was uh in its n64 form uh was pretty amazing really and and so it's nice to see but as dave said um it, when I think about it now, I'm surprised it it it, it did take that long because it's a long time ago, and I'm sure there's plenty of other ROMs out there with other um, failed or earlier versions uh, games that went through a transformation um, that are just waiting to be uh, discovered um, because of, it, there's so many of them, hundreds. Well, we'll have you back on when those leak, and we'll ask you about them <laughs> at the appropriate time. Before we wrap things up here, for the both of you, you know, I, your, your work obviously has left a lasting impact, as we've already discussed, as, as Kev mentioned as much with the modern Donkey Kong design. But, you know, one of the worst kept secrets right now is that in Universal Studios in Osaka, Japan, they are actually building under construction a whole Donkey Kong Country theme park right now. Uh, based heavily, you know, mm-hmm. on your your works. Um, is, is it ever surreal for you to, you know, take stock of the things you have done, having the staying power that it does, that it will outlive you and and your descendants and just like continue, persist for as long as we have a civilization? How does that feel? I really thought about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't mean to fill you with existential despair or anything. It's, well, um, if aliens come down when we've um, we've long gone, and they discover this great big plastic DK, and they're trying to work out what it says on his tie, and Stephen Kev. And, and <laughs> I'm responsible for that. And they'll be, they'll be examining it and saying, well, it, this, what is this creature that used to inhabit this planet? Um, that would be pretty amazing, I guess. But, I mean, that character in particular, I don't like to take too much credit for him because it was Shigeru Miyamoto's character that um, gave me the, uh, the, 
platform to stand on there and, and, and I've got the opportunity to redesign it. And yeah, he's been improved over the years and he looks great, uh, but it's still thanks to the original design. So um, Nintendo, they've got a lot to answer for because they've created a lot of um, characters, which I think, as I say, in, a, in a, a couple of thousand years, somebody comes down to this planet and looks like, what was going on here? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? You, you mentioned Indiana Jones and it just it strikes me as just the way the, the back and forth of the creative process where you were inspired to be by Indiana Jones. And then obviously we've got these minecart sequences in Donkey Kong Country and, and Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong are kind of like Indiana Jones and short round from Temple of Doom. And then now we have a whole roller coaster being built based on that. And it's just even as somebody on the outside is just somebody who grew up with these games. It's staggering to think about um, mm-hmm. how these things kind of snowball and, and become bigger than all of us. Yeah. I, I, to, to be honest, I, I don't think we could have ever imagined when we first did it, that it was, that we'd still be talking about it, you know, two years later. A few notes on a piece of paper and um, a few uh, bars that Dave puts together at the time you don't you never really think about that you just do the uh the task is all well, we need a character for this so you've got a few scribbles as you've seen the the kind of scribbles that i've been putting on the internet um they're just very rough and obviously everything starts from scratch and a few pixels or whatever and it suddenly becomes something huge that everybody's buying or talking about and and everybody's enjoying more importantly um but uh, it's it, it, it continues, doesn't it? And hopefully uh, they'll be buying Salamandos and playing Salamandos <laughs> music in, in a thousand years' time. You've given us a taste of it uh, near the top of the episode, but, but as, as we uh, end things, and no pressure, but I just want to say we got so many requests for this, so, so many. It, it was honestly surprising. Would you like to make one final pitch for Salamandos, Kev? As tricky... <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> hey guys, you gotta go and buy salamandos. My dad's a King Earthwalker, and he'll bash you up if you don't go out and get it now. For more on Kevin David and to purchase the first issue of Salamandos, please head to DK Creations Limited. That's Ltd. dot com. And you can also check them out on YouTube and Twitter. Thank you both so much for being here. And, and David, please check on your chicken. I'm worried about it. This has been a File 2 production. Perico.